You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the fabulous Feinstein's 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder, please take this moment to silence your cell phones. Also, there is no flash photography, please. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Anthony Nunziata, and you're listening to the Feinstein's 54 Below podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Feinstein's 54 Below podcast, where we take you behind the scenes at Broadway's Supper Club. I'm Nella Vera, the club's director of marketing. We're coming up on Valentine's Day, one of the most special times of the year at the club, and today's guest is the perfect person to talk to us about that. Joining us this week is an internationally acclaimed singer, songwriter, and recording artist. He has performed hundreds of concerts over the past few years, headlining major performing arts centers, theaters, symphony concert halls, and private events across the country and the world. He recently appeared in the Netflix film The Last Laugh, opposite Chevy Chase and Richard Dreyfus, This Brooklyn-born, classically trained singer is hailed by Broadway World as an explosion of love and entertainment, and recently co-headlined Carnegie Hall for two sold-out concerts with the New York Pop Symphony Orchestra. This February, he brings his soulful and lyrical tenor voice to Feinstein's 54 Below for a show called Amore, The Greatest Love Songs. He and his world-class band will reimagine classics such as Unchained Melody, Can't Take My Eyes Off of You, Can't Help Falling in Love With You, The Prayer, O Sole Mio, and more. Anthony Nunziata, welcome to the Flying Science 54 Below podcast. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. So your upcoming show at Fine Science 54 Below is called Amore, The Greatest Love Songs, and it's playing on Valentine's Day, which seems like the perfect Valentine's Day show. Uh, why did you decide to put this show together? Sure. So about six, seven months ago, I met with my musical director and arranger, Ted Firth, coming up with songs that would be songs that would be part of a new album actually my solo debut album, jazz pop album. And it just happened to be that a lot of these songs, both classics and originals, all fell under the theme of love. And from there, you know, got in touch with Jennifer, and it seemed like, you know, the perfect time of year to celebrate this album and also these fantastic classic songs. What can audiences expect to hear? Um, I saw some American and Italian love songs in there. Yes, of course. Well, so I'm (laughs) Italian-American, half Italian, quarter German, quarter Irish, but Italian songs and and classic songs made famous by Billy Joel, the Righteous Brothers, Frank Sinatra. That was the soundtrack of my life. And so it's it's been such an honor and pleasure to bring a fresh take to these songs. Celebrating uh, my favorite love songs, and I hope that people take away something for themselves as well. So do you you have a band as well? Yes, I have an amazing five-piece band. A lot of these players played on my album this past summer, and they are literally world-class musicians. I'm so grateful to be working with them. We have Eugene Gwotes on piano. He plays with major Broadway performers all around the world. Uh, Steve Barganetti on guitar. I mean, he was Lena Horne's musical director back in the day. I'm so grateful. It's a hot band. Yeah, I've noticed just from seeing your concerts and watching on YouTube 
just the quality of the musicians that you play with is always incredible. And it makes such a difference. And I think our audiences really appreciate it when musicians are not only just high caliber, but when people bring a band and it's not just a piano. So it's really exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I was, I'm really looking forward to sharing these songs and just the high quality of, of what these musicians bring. People are in store for a night that'll, I think that'll get them going. In a good way. We're very excited about this. Many people know you as one half of the Nunziata brothers. Of course. You and your twin brother, Will, are both incredibly successful singers and songwriters. How did this happen? It's so rare for someone to succeed in this business. And what are the chances that two brothers from the same family would end up as... You know, huge successes that's in the a, music business. That's a good question. You sounded like my therapist asking that question too. I, you know, was your family musical growing up? Very musical. I mean, my dad would be singing songs to my brother and me since we were kids. We would take these epic car rides down. Uh, we, we lived in Westchester County. We down to see Broadway shows, and he would be making up songs on the fly and encouraging us to sing along with him. So that. That feeling of always being free to sing and express ourselves was always there. And then my brother and I had the opportunity to sing on a National Honey Nut Cheerios commercial growing up. We were both doing musicals at the same time in addition to athletics. But it just so happened that I think we both fell in love with music. And now at this point in our careers where we have opportunities to sing together, but more so, my brother is a has become a very accomplished director in his own right, and you know I'm I'm pursuing um, a lot more uh, music opportunities that are presenting themselves. But the cool thing is, I'm so grateful, and it may sound a little cheesy, but it's the truth. He's my best friend, and so to have someone in this business that can be often lonely, to have someone like my brother that we are so supportive of one another, I'm grateful for that. I, I always try to let people know, you know, here in this podcast from stage, that um, I take what I do very seriously. Obviously, not myself too much, but uh, I, I take it as a. Uh, I'm uh, I'm grateful to do what I do, and I, I, I. He's not just your brother, but also your twin, and I've always been fascinated by twins because I was a lonely kid, and I oh. always just thought. You know, that was so cool when I would read about it or see it on TV and, and read about like kind of like this karmic connection that twins have. Is that true? Do you guys feel that? Yes. I mean, <laughs> that, that's that's a great point. I mean, it's a built in best friend, truly. And I'm grateful that like we get along. Certainly like at, like in, with any siblings, you have your your banter and your bickering. And when we're on stage together, of course, we just are ourselves on stage. We certainly share a an intuition with each other that I think anybody who's really close share, whether it's siblings or even couples who've been together for many years. I mean, I've been with my brother for almost 35 years. You know, you just sort of know what they're feeling and thinking, and that, that uh, it certainly makes me feel, I don't know, less alone in this world, and also just it's, it's fun to, to share. I mean, this is a crazy business. Yeah. This is a crazy business that we're in, and uh, to have a little bit of groundedness in, in having family with you, yeah. it makes it all Did the you difference. guys ever pretend to be each other when you were little? <laughs> I mean, maybe my brother more, you know, more so, because pretending to be Will is a lot to take on. <laughs> like, that would be a role of a lifetime. We didn't do it a lot. My, I mean, I think there was one time where we, uh, if I remember correctly, it was either first grade or kindergarten where we both dressed up as Dracula and we switched classes. 
and that was, you know, that was fun. Uh-huh. You know, that was like cute, you know, do the twin yeah. thing. But my mom was very uh, particular about not doing the twin thing. Yeah. And did she always, she always knew which one was which? She did. And she still does, even like where we try to, you know, even today, like yeah. if I call out, Anthony, leave me alone, or, you know, but yeah. um, Anthony, um, that was a weird meta moment that I just called myself out there and my twin is in my mind. Anyway, <laughs> um, my mom can definitely tell yeah. us apart and you especially know that when she calls us by our first and middle name, oh. Anthony Joseph, William Joseph. Yeah. My mom was in my mind. It's too early That's to have so my funny. mom in my mind. But. I asked you that because I just listened to a podcast of a woman who could not tell her twins apart. Wow. And she always had this system for different pin colors and she took them to the pediatrician as babies and when they examined them they undid the pins and put pampers on them because it was a a new thing they they were transitioning from cloth and then she couldn't tell them apart so she just picked one versus the other and then they grew up and didn't know this and when they got older they wanted to know if he was indeed Randy and the other one was the other one so they had they did this whole investigative process and found their old footprints. What? And that's how they figured out. They just wanted to know if they had grown up with the as the wrong twin, which was amazing. The most amazing story. Oh and it actually turned out that they were the right twins. So Randy, mom was right. She didn't know. Oh, she, she just just said, well, I guess I'm going to call you this and I'm going to call you this as babies because the nurse mixed them up and she couldn't tell. And they were like, of course you can tell. And she was like, really, I can't tell. How old were they when they decided to go through this test? They were in their 40s, I think. That might have, wow. Yeah. Was this on Oprah? had children. Was this on Oprah? It's a podcast. I just listened to it. should be on I'll email it to you. It's really funny. It's a really incredible story. So I just, that's why I asked, because I thought that's so weird. Usually, even with identical twins, there's always a little difference, but she really could not tell them apart. Are they all good now? They're all good, and they're happy to know that they have the right names, and their kids, that Uncle Randy is not dad, or whatever, you know, just This is so fascinating. (laughs) I want to listen to this podcast, send it to my mother, because she'll feel that, that much extra proud. But she like, will. <laughs> that's a fascinating story. I literally thought you were about to say, like, it's on Netflix in 2021. Well, it should be. It should be. Well, the Netflix documentary about the twins, did you see that one about one of them lost his memory? I can't. Yes, of course. And co- the other yeah. one, mm-hmm, that was disturbing and amazing at the same time. So. That's but a story I'm of always, my life, but disturbing I'm so, and amazing, yes. so fascinated by twins because it's like, wow, there's two of you. It's, it's so great. It's so, part of the appeal, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about uh, cabaret. How does a boy from Staten Island and Brooklyn enter cabaret? It seems like such a, just an odd career path. Sure. Um, so or it's not, I, I don't want to say odd. It's a very particular. You can use what, odd, I'm per, odd. That's fine. It's um, a very particular career path. And I wonder how, you know, you go into not just the music world, but also cabaret. Sure. So I, I think when I was in college, I made the choice with Will that we would take the path of carving out our own path instead of waiting for people to pick us for shows. And so it started out in Bo- at Boston College when we were afforded amazing opportunities to sing as soloists with the Boston Pops Orchestra. Oh, wow. 
and that was because our choral director picked us out of the course to be soloists with the pops. And so from there, you know, and I used to study from Frank Sinatra to Carol Burnett, Dean Martin to, to Bernadette Peters to Brian Stokes Mitchell, all these people had these amazing concert careers. And I said, I want to do that. Um, the ability to be yourself on stage and also then dive into acting and being playing roles here and there mm. uh, as you dive into songs. So coming into the city a couple years out of college, we, uh, we got introduced to Michael Feinstein, who has you know, s- since become a very dear friend and mentor. And he gave us an opportunity to perform our very first shows at Feinstein's at the Regency. So it just so happens that we were performing in our 20s in big concert halls and in intimate spaces. And so I like to say that, you know, I'm a, you know, a concert artist and sometimes perform in small venues. However, the word cabaret can sometimes have a, a, a connotation to it that, oh, you just play small rooms. Mm-hmm. I think that right. it's important to continue to use the word cabaret because it's adding intimacy to every performance that you give. And that's what I've learned in, in my, you know, in, my, yeah. uh, uh, in, in traveling all around the country small spaces, large spaces, is to really connect with people in a genuine and real way. Well, I think that's the key because I think cabaret has a lot of meanings to a lot of people, but to me, there's an art to it that's not just getting up and singing a bunch of songs. Like It really is, like you just said, about that connection with the audience. Yes. And there is a special art to it. And as you know, we, we have hundreds of artists who come through Fine Science 54 Below, and all of them are wonderful, but, you know, they're the true cabaret artists. You can see, you know, the Marilyn Mays and the Michaels, those are kind of the gold standard of cabaret artists. They know how to interpret a song beautifully. Yes. And they also have that great connection with the audience, and their banter is just right. You know, it's not too much or not too little, and, and it's a real art. And I think, you know, performers like, both of you and you know we have a lot of wonderful performers have found you know are able to master that and, and deliver us you know the, what is a true cabaret show not just getting up and singing some standards yes and, and i think that it, it's it's its own very particular art form absolutely um, I, I think when, when i speak to young people about who want to interested in doing their own concerts or finding their own voice it is just that I think it's, it's people pick up on authenticity. So I always encourage young people to bring their entire selves to the stage. Sure, it's scary at first because a lot of the time you're going to be doing it in front of strangers and people that you've never met before. But you have to think about people immediately. They're all your friends. How would you be with your friends? Go there. When you're singing a song, pretend that you're singing the song for the very first time. Those lyrics that you're singing, whether they're your own as an artist, original uh, song or a classic song, you're singing these words for the first time. Who are you specifically singing to? And I think a combination of all of that allows artists to instead of imitate other performers that they may see, but instead strive to be the most true version of themselves in front of people. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. You must spend a lot of time on the road then. And, and Yes. How, how is that lifestyle for you? And do you have a favorite place that you've performed or a couple of favorite places? I love to travel. I, I love the exploration of it. You know, as they say, they sort of, you know, I get paid to travel because when you get on stage, that's, that's, that's my playground. I love it. 
Favorite places, my goodness. I, my goodness, I've been to Nebraska, to Palm Beach, to San Francisco, to Singapore. I've been to Singapore twice. That's oh, wow. an amazing place. The amazing thing is wherever I sing, I never know where I could be meeting new people, whether it's a friendship level or someone who's like, oh, hey, this is what happened about 10 years ago in New York. Hey, I just saw you guys perform in, at Michael Feinstein's nightclub. I know someone who's a private event coordinator in Singapore who needs New York talent. I think you guys would be perfect. Mm-hmm. And now I've been to Singapore twice because of that. Amazing. So the amazing <laughs> thing is, right, I'm doing my job. I, and I just put quotes. The people listening can't see that because it's a podcast, <laughs> right? Um, this is magical. It's the future. Yeah, uh, I love to travel. Being on the road is a lot of fun. I, what I love at this point in my career, the cities that I visit, I have little built-in families, I like to say. So whenever I sort of blast out an email list to people, I love getting the responses back. Oh, we got our tickets already, or we're going with these people from Oklahoma who are traveling to see you in Chicago. I have some super fans, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is, which is nice and fun, and but I treat them as friends too. Yeah. You know, so. That's great. And so you did a couple of private events in in Singapore? Yes. Uh, let's see. One was at the St. Regis Hotel in Singapore, and the other was at the, is it called the Mandarin Oriental? Are you familiar with, is anyone familiar with Singapore? He is. I lived there. Did I get that right? Oh, we're in the room right now. Is it the Mandarin Oriental Hotel? Yes, we're up on the rooftop. It was for Tiffany and Company. Oh, wow. It was so fancy. We did 30 minutes, my brother and I did like a 30-minute show for Tiffany and, you know, fly me to the moon. Anyway, I'm sorry, did you have to pay for that? Anyway, <laughs> no, it was no. in the wrong key. Anyway, um, yeah, so yeah, it's, it's just, a, it's a wild That's ride. That's so crazy. And, and I picture, you know, crazy rich Asians when you said Singapore. <laughs> I'll take that sequel. I'll be in the sequel, gladly. How wonderful. <laughs> yeah, when it's, uh, when you love what you do, it's not going to work right it's uh kind of just an, an adventure it is um, an adventure some people i think who are listening who are fans of yours may not know that you're also a pretty prolific songwriter oh. uh, can you talk a little bit about that and the projects that you've collaborated on sure well i had the amazing opportunity to collaborate with a gentleman by the name of jeff franzel uh, a couple of years ago and the very first song i wrote was a song with him and my brother and it all came from truth, literally the day that we were supposed to meet with Jeff for the first time in New York City. He's a prolific songwriter in his own right. Taylor Dane, Justin Timberlake, Josh Groban. I literally just dropped a lot of names and I picked them back up for your listeners. <laughs> um, that day that we met with him, my mom had called and said that she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, no. She's, she's cancer-free today, so thank, Wonderful. thank, thank you. And so Jeff, we went into Jeff, we went into the meeting and uh, before we were eventually going to go back home to be with my mom, Jeff said, oh, hey, guys, nice to meet you. What do you want to write about? And immediately we were like, this is what just happened. Just so happened we did want to write a song about our mom and what she's meant to us. So that's when the song The Gift Is You was written. And mm-hmm. a couple months later, we were able to surprise our family singing that song at Carnegie Hall with the New York Pops Orchestra, which was, you know, a dream come true. But to write, to write and sing a song for our mom especially during a time where she was going through a lot. Um, that's what it's about for me in songwriting. And since then, I've been able to collaborate with a lot of amazing songwriters. I mean, just recently wrote a Christmas song with Jim Brickman and Victoria Shaw. And my, and my album 
has a lot of original songs as well with some amazing songwriters. I'm so grateful. Fantastic. Uh, what's your album called? The Love Album. The Love Album. And is it available now? or? It'll be the, 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 a single off the album, Will You Be My Every Day, which uh-huh. is an original, is coming out. It'll probably be coming around the time that this comes out. And then pre-orders for the album, I believe, is February 1st. And the drop date is February 14th for the album. Oh, my gosh. Valentine's Day. Right on Valentine's How Day. perfect. The Love Album. Everybody run out and download The Love Album. Run, On run, February run, 14th. Run, run. So I did listen to The Gift of Is You, which is a beautiful song. Um, and I read that it was also the anthem for the Susan G. Komen Foundation, which was so wonderful. How was working with this organization? Uh, sh- sure, yeah. We, we wrote the song, and through personal connections, we were able to speak with the people at Susan G. Komen, and we're so grateful that it's on their website as a song that you can download, and all the proceeds goes directly to Susan G. Komen. Oh, and wow. So we are so grateful to... F- to partner with them in that in that capacity. Um, I also saw the video on YouTube, and I think I spotted a familiar face in the video playing your mom. Yes, not our mother, Tony Award winner <laughs> Katie Huffman, who's a dear friend, yes. Yeah, at first I thought, is that Katie? And I thought, yes. Um, so that was really fun. And, I, you know, I love the song because it's so hopeful, and it's beautiful but really hopeful. And just celebratory, and I thought that's you know that's kind of what it's about. Oh, so. I'm so happy you took away. It was with really that. beautiful. Yeah, oh, thank you. So along with your thriving music career, uh, I read that you also studied improv at Upright Citizens, and in 2019, you and Will uh, did this Netflix or were featured in this Netflix uh, movie, The Last Laugh, with Chevy Chase and Richard Dreyfuss. How did that happen? Wow. That- that was just amazing experience. A, a good friend of ours who we've been working with, um, Greg Pritikin, a writer-director out of Los Angeles, he wrote in parts for us in this movie that he got picked up, and he said, guys, I wrote a scene you know, with you, with you and Richard and, and Chevy, and I'd love for you to be part of the movie. And My goodness. so we flew down to New Orleans a couple Septembers ago. We're there for two days. And I mean, these are these are heroes of of anybody in the arts. But for me, you know, Richard Dreyfus is a guy from Brooklyn, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Chevy Chase. I mean, the you know, National Chase. Lampoon and, and everything <laughs> that he's done is Chevy Chase. So to meet with these guys and also to be um, to, uh, you know, to, to, to hang with them was was amazing, especially Richard. Richard is a mensch. He is so such a kind, lovely, lovely man, and uh, he lives now in San Diego. It was amazing experience to 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 be uh, on set with with them, and also to incorporate you know other passions of mine, which is you know which is improv, which has a feel of knowing that you can have, of course, multiple takes, but having a theatrical background, as many of your listeners will will understand that you get one take to do a show. So we were we were happy and proud to go up there and do our takes and and uh, it went smoothly and it was a lot of fun. Do you have other TV projects coming up? Yes, we have a sitcom in the works right now. It's just about to get to the uh, development phase. I'll be sure to come back to let you all know yeah, when it gets please. Pick, when, when we, fingers crossed it gets I gets definitely want to hear more about it. 
Um, I love your story because it, it follows a theme that I hear from a lot of our artists um, where you, especially the younger generation of artists, are not waiting around for people to offer them parts. They're just forging forward with their careers. And I love that idea. And I, I love that uh, you are sort of mentoring young people into doing that because I think that's sort of what differentiates the new generation from people in my generation who, mm. you know, to be an actor, be a performer, you went to auditions and you waited and prayed yes. to get a call back. And I do think that part of it is due to technology and the internet because people can discover you online. You can build a fan base. Yes. Whereas I think when I was young, you couldn't do that. We, you know, didn't even have email when I was in <laughs> high school. I think we had email in college, but so that wasn't possible. Like Justin Bieber couldn't have happened in right. m my age. That's right. Um, but I think with technology and also with the spirit of millennials and uh, Gen Z, you know, people are so entrepreneurial. Yes. Um, and I'm finding that more and more and more artists that I speak to, you know, I, I think that's kind of a theme in your career. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think I was definitely inspired by my father, who after working, you know, 25 plus years in, uh, in advertising for, for company, he went out on his own. And I saw, I was inspired by that entrepreneurial spirit. I, I look at myself first, but actually as an entrepreneur first, and it just so happens to be through the means of being a singer and a songwriter and interested in marketing and branding. Yeah, I mean, since I was 19 years old, I, I started to manage what I do and what my brother and me do as a team, and I still manage what I do today. And having that spirit of waking up every day, working for myself as a company in a business, has been extremely gratifying. I, I let people know, whether you're in the arts or, or not, look at yourself as a, as a CEO. I call it CEO-U. And because you have to be able to, you're going to be your biggest advocate. And yeah. it's about surrounding yourself with people who challenge you and who support you, who are enthusiastic about what you do and believe in your, believe in your mission in life. And so I, I encourage everybody to go after with what you do as you're pursuing your dreams of, you know, of course, auditioning is important. In addition to that, find ways to, to, to get, to, to work on your craft because you never know when opportunities are going to present themselves. Yeah, and you just have to be ready. Amen. Exactly. Last question. Uh, what are you most looking forward to for your 54 Below show? Oh, my goodness. Well, it's Valentine's Day weekend, so everyone's going to be in the spirit of love or looking for love. So people are going to be in different stages of love. And I'm going to, we're going to have a, I mean, we're just going to have a great time. I mean, it's got a smoking band. These arrangements are killer. You know, people are going to feel, they're going to move in their seats, and we got some nice, quiet moments as well. And uh, look, 54 Below, this is going to be my eighth appearance at 54 Below. Wow. And so it's, it's home, it's family. And you know we have a special menu for that night, just for that night. Are so you the regular menu is out, yeah. And that night we have a very special Valentine's Day menu. Oh so my that's gosh. really exciting. Yeah. I can't wait to see what I get in the green room before the show. <laughs> I, I'm excited. We I have, have it. It's on the website, so you can oh. start planning your meal now. Okay. <laughs> Anthony, thank you so much for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you on February 14 and 15 at 7 p.m. for your show, Amore, The Greatest Love Songs. Thank you so much for having me.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.